interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Merry Christmas, everybody. Uh, I am a bit under the weather today, but the show must go on. So it's important. Today's show is titled, How Christian Churches Have Been Programming Us. And I have quite an expert on to talk about that specific fact. But before I do that, everybody knows I always start with with something about grace. So um, Don, I think you're gonna put up, if you put up the first picture, so Grace, of course, she just loved Christmas and her favorite Christmas joke, so Don's going to participate with me, uh, was a knock-knock joke. So knock-knock. Uh, Who's there? Centipede. Centipede who? Santa peed on the Christmas tree. I hope he doesn't pee on the electrical cord <laughs> and get electrocuted. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she just... She had a way. She hears these jokes and then she modifies them for her her own telling. She just was so smart. I miss her so much. So I, I want to just share a brief um, introduction as to how Christmas relates to our programming. But that's not the message here. But it does apply to what has happened with me. So we start out, a lot of us, lying to our kids about Santa Claus. And, of course, the natural reaction of a child that has been told a lie is, what What else have you lied to me about? What about the Easter bunny? What about the tooth fairy? And so, of course, the bigger question is, in their mind at least, is why did mommy and daddy lie to me? You know, that, that's, a, that's serious business. Um, pagans have celebrated the birth of their sun gods on December 25th, centuries before Jesus was born and walked the earth. And God warns believers to not imitate Luciferian practices. So it is no surprise what Christian what Christmas has evolved into. Christians pick this date in an attempt to draw people to Christ. And you know, it shows that when we substitute our ways for God's, the results are predictable. And now, of course, we have a holiday that's completely out of control. Uh, so Grace died to wake me up as to how I've been programmed. And I think I first introduced the Santa Claus effect when I was on uh, David Fiararzo, my guest, his podcast. And so the first lie with Grace's death started the process. So what am I talking about? The first lie was Grace died from COVID. Well, I did not accept that. And once I found out she didn't, then, okay, what happened? I find out she's murdered. Then I dig further and find out the disabled are being murdered at an 11 times greater rate than, than the non-disabled. Then find out there's a worldwide Holocaust in place because of an agenda to, agenda to reduce the world populations. And then hospitals are being paid incentives to follow protocols known to kill people. And it's still happening today. On October 13th, 2022, the one year anniversary of Grace's death, the public health emergency was re-upped for another 90 days. So these bonus payments to hospitals for killing people are still happening. So anyway, it, you know, I wanna drill down this as a, this satanic agenda as it applies to churches today. So Don, can you bring David in and I'm gonna, 
I'm going to go through an introduction. So Merry Christmas, David. Merry Christmas. God bless you. So David Fierazzo is an author, media contributor, host of Stand Up For The Truth podcast, and that, that's where I met him, co-host of Educate Freedom Project Media, and involved in broadcasting for over 30 in Christian ministry for over 25 years. His latest book is Canceling Christianity, which we're going to spend some time uh, using that book to frame the discussion. Uh, most importantly, uh, he has become my friend, and I just really appreciate him. So welcome, David. Thank you, brother. Looking forward to it. Okay, well, let's start with a 30,000-foot view, and then we'll drill down <laughs> to the nitty-gritty. Yes. So in your uh -huh. book, Canceling Christianity, you state that the epic battle for the soul of America comes down to three words, God or man. Can you explain that to get us started? Absolutely. Um, this is a worldview war. This is an issue. It's a very simple dividing line. We are either going in the direction of God and his truth and what the Bible teaches, or we are going in the direction of the world. And the Bible says, uh, if you love the world and the things in the world, the love of the Father is not in you, 1 John 2, 15 through 17. Um, so it's, it, it's, I know it's oversimplifying, but that's really the basic God or man. So it's either biblical Christianity and that worldview of truth based on evidence and, and fact and even science in the Bible, or it's humanism, it's secular progressivism, it's atheism, it's religious pluralism, the coexist bumper sticker should never be on a Christian's car, right? Because that means right all on. things, because it is against Christianity. Why? Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, he said. So we have a decision to make, and most of your audience, I'm guessing, have made that decision, trusting Jesus with their lives. He is the only way to salvation. Now, there are other ways to uh, try to get to a higher level in life. Uh, most of them, most of those ways are, are about doing good works. Um, but we are saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. And so I know this is an oversimplification for some people that have uh, studied the Bible for years. But for your audience who might not be able to know how to respond to this in the world, uh, we see this agenda, there's, this is spiritual war. Another thing, Scott, I know you realize this as well. Underlying this whole thing, it's a spiritual battle between the forces of darkness and those who claim the name of Christ, those who are God's children. Not every human being is a child of God. The Bible clearly says that. So to think that, oh, we're all children of God. No, we're not. No, we're not. There are people who do, do not obey God. They have rejected the truth. Um, so that's kind of like the simple way to understand God or man. And we are seeing these, both of these worldviews being lived out. And right now, unfortunately in America, the worldview that has the upper hand when it comes to influence is man. Man is God. Man, the elites, the global elites, the power elites, those that would want to control the population. And we can get into that a little bit more as we go along. Well, I think you did perfect in explaining the, the view. I would just add that these God versus man are mutually exclusive circles. So yes. you, cannot, you cannot cross these over. You either believe in one or the other. And 
that's why we're going to drill down what's happening in the churches because they're crossing those lines over yes. with a foolish interpretation of Romans 13 and 14. So mm -hmm. just to, let's take it on one more notch. Uh, you state that the second biggest lie in America is the separation of church and state. Yes. And of course, that's a familiar tactic of Satan to try to get us to think about things that way. So we know, of course, that church and state are distinct entities. Mm -hmm. But should they be separated as we've been sold? Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. There's no way man can be saved unless man hears the good news of Jesus Christ, the hope that we celebrate at Christmas time, right? right. Um, the, the left would have us be silent. If we do not agree and, and submit and are silent, then they will try to suppress or silence or censor us. Right. So yeah. it comes back to the, the basic principles of salt and light. Um, that's me, that means influence. Who has the most influence? The left has hijacked every major institution in America. The government-run education system, the medical you know, system, the government, the uh, higher education, entertainment, Hollywood, media, social media. So we're, we're in this war and we, we don't have the, the numbers, but we have the power of God. If we would just speak, the truth is very important, Scott. And that's why we do the podcast, Stand Up for the Truth, because uh, people have to, have to either deny God and reject the truth, or they say, all right, I, I see your point. Yes, this is the way. And then they follow it. So we're living in very interesting times. I call this in America our Bonhoeffer moment. Oh, Most of your listeners are probably familiar with Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He, one of his great quotes is, silence in the face of evil is itself evil. Not to speak is to speak. Not to act is to act. God will not hold us guiltless. So Bonhoeffer was one of approximately one-third of German pastors who stood against Hitler. And he was even involved in some plans to try to take Hitler out. But anyway, he was a martyr. He was killed for his faith and for trying to uh, come against Hitler uh, just days before World War II came to an end. But he was one man who said, I am going to stand up against evil. I am going to speak the truth and you will not silence me. And God bless him. But we have a Bonhoeffer moment here in America. Revelation 2 and 3 in the Bible are letters to churches, letters to Christians. Now, they were in Asia Minor, but there's some very applicable things that we can look at as the American church. Uh, for example, uh, uh, Jesus said to John, he said, understand the times. He said, uh, the time is right now. I am coming. Before you know it, I'm coming. I'm returning soon. And Great. he said, you have left your first love. That's, he said that to one of the churches, to another church in Laodicea. He said, you are lukewarm. Basically, I would rather have you be hot or cold. If because you are lukewarm, I will spit you out of my mouth. And then there are other things to other churches. But the American church has been generally, not everybody, because there's a strong remnant of good, solid Bible-believing Christians and leaders, but it's the minority. Most people have been busy, distracted, and have not been speaking out against evil and been proclaiming the truth. That's why one of the reasons we are where we are. Well, I, I couldn't agree more. I do want to ask this question so we don't leave people hanging, although we don't need to spend a lot of time on it because we said separation of church and state is the second biggest lie. Yes. So what is the biggest lie? 
Oh, evolution. Everything was created from nothing. There is no God. There is no truth. There is no ultimate beginning. It just kind of happened. What does that mean? That If people believe that, that means their lives are just random accidents, cosmic accidents, and there's a lot of coincidence in life. There's no no really foundation you can stand on going back to creation. We are our own gods then if there's no creator. So, uh, But the separation of church and state, this is interesting. Um, they want to keep us out of culture, out of influence, out of politics, out of entertainment, out of the public square. That's not the way this nation was founded. Just a really brief little bit of history. William Bradford of Plymouth Plantation, he wrote, and I'm paraphrasing, he said, one of the reasons we are coming to this new land is to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. He literally said that there are many of the writings from the early pilgrims and separatists who wanted to separate themselves from the mother church of England, right? They, they wanted to separate themselves so they could have a new society of freedom and of religion. So they wanted free expression of religion throughout society, religion throughout society. They did not want to suppress it or keep it behind church doors, but the left has been very strategic in their implementation of evil and deception to make people think, oh, I better not talk about uh, these issues because they are, quote, political issues, meaning murdering uh, preborn babies in the womb. That's, that's murder. That's abortion, right? But it's a political issue, right? And so we need to be more vocal than we have been. And I know that one of the reasons we talk about that on these podcasts to kind of stir up other believers, to encourage people to stand up stiffen your spine and speak the truth our time is limited here so we need to redeem the time before it's too late very very well said david that is right on by the way david's podcast is on q90 radio station and you can do a search for that and and you'll find it and i would encourage uh, anybody to listen to it it's live at 9 a.m uh, in the morning through the weekdays and it's also archived so I, I do want to drill down this idea of when it started, because you yes. you noted in the book that up until 75 years ago, the sins of politicians and those in positions of power were called out from the pulpit. So what what changed 75 <laughs> years ago? Well, first of all, the pulpits have changed. I mean, church leaders have changed. So many things, and we don't have enough time to talk about them all, but let's just talk about the church for a moment. These are men who should be leading their congregations on the battlefield, so to speak. However, uh, even before that, years ago, uh, late 1700s, there was what was known as the Black Robed Regiment. I think you've yes. talked about that a little bit on the podcast. Um, these are men of God who led small town churches. This was before the internet, before social media, before um, television and all that before everything. So the re the way people would find out about information about what's going on, uh, it would be come to church. That's where they would find out things. So the church pastor, he was a reverend. They were leaders of their congregation. So before we were a free country, they would preach in their black robes. And many of them would preach a sermon from the Bible. And then they knew they had to fight the British, right? The British were coming. So they would take off their black robes and they would literally grab a gun. You, some of them had them right next to the pulpit. They would grab their gun and they would say to their congregation, the, the men and young men, all right, who's with me? There's a time to preach and there's a time to fight. And they literally went out to fight for the freedoms that we now enjoy. So 
fast forward to in the last 50 to 100 years in America, so much has changed. The Industrial Revolution, both parents working, um, um, and then in, as far as pastors go, this leftist movement to uh, criticize Christians and belittle and mock. You know, the Bible says there will be mockers in the last days. Peter warns about it. Jude warns about it. People will mock you. They will mock God. That's not surprising. But we weren't, I don't know if we were ready for that, I guess. So a lot of pastors have not been speaking out. This is one of their roles to lead the congregation, to equip the saints for ministry, to go out so that they, now the people in the churches, can then go out into society, into our culture, and be Christian, moral, godly, biblical influences. And so that was one of the things that happened. And I know uh, you read a quote from the book. Was there something more specific that you were looking for? No, I wanted to frame frame uh, some of the research that I've been doing. I've shared it with you, so you're familiar with this, but it was shocking to me because I had listened to a podcast, and in the podcast, the the person stated that the seminaries have been funded by the Rockefellers, Oh, and I did yeah. not know that, and so I thought, if that's true, it's a game changer. So then yeah. I, I did the research and found out, in fact, it's true. And yep. it started about 70 years ago. Yeah. So that's consistent with your 75-year timeline. And okay. then as we fast forward to today, yeah. you know, we we know because there was a, a pastor whistleblower in 2006 that came forward because he he was asked to participate in FEMA training to preach mm -hmm. the FEMA view of Romans 13. And now it's estimated... 100,000 pastors have been trained specifically. And it's wow. it's interesting because the directors told the pastors that their job was to implement FEMA and Homeland Security directives in anticipation of these eventualities. And they're even paid to do so. So, I mean, this is is does that any of that surprise you? Wow, no, it doesn't. That's uh, you know government locking arms with the church, and there. So whatever happened to the separation of the church and the state? Then, if that's what they're, if they want, you know, they they want to work with the church if it serves their interests, right? Um, and that that's not surprising. And I'm sure churches got money and some. I don't know about the the numbers of of uh, where you get that information, but it's not surprising because many people have have used the church. Even Margaret Sanger, if we can go back yes, 100 right. years, she used the church. She used prominent black pastors at the time to say, hey, we're going to bring our abortion clinics into the minority neighbors, into black neighborhoods. She was a racist and eugenicist and That's socialist right. and atheist and radical feminist, but she literally wanted to reduce the black population. So she said, how can we do this? Um, we want to let them know we care. Right. We don't want them starving. So let's get the black pastors and talk about that. That abortion is compassion. And you hear that language today where abortion is compassionate. Right. We don't want too many you know, mouths that we have to feed. And so this all plays in, uh, Scott. I know you know That's this right. into the population control agenda. If you look at what the hospitals are doing, what Bill Gates has talked about, and what other elites have talked about. Abortion is just one of the methods. There's euthanasia, and now That's they're right. using other means to try to reduce the population. 
Why should we be surprised at this? The Bible says the heart of man is wicked. It's evil. It's beyond cure. Who can understand it? And the, whole, the underlying answer is only God knows the human heart. And so we should not be surprised by evil men. But this population control agenda has morphed into so many different ways. Now they're, they're uh, deceiving young children into thinking they're the opposite sex or even having surgeries. What's this underlying demonic agenda? They won't be able to have children. If a woman has a hysterectomy, if a boy, you know, if they go through these surgeries thinking they need, it's a quote, sex change, right? So this is another way the LGBTQ movement and agenda and community cannot reproduce. So they have to recruit, right? Did you get that? They cannot reproduce. So they have to recruit. The left does the same thing. They have to recruit. They have to deceive. And they use the schools. They use Hollywood. They use the media, social media, the deep state, and on and on. All right. I want to drill down now to some of the nitty gritty. Thank you for that, David. Sure. So you clearly state the church has a dual responsibility. I agree 100%. So the two things they're responsible for, of course, equipping the saints. That's obvious. But the second, and of course, now it's right at the forefront, is refusing to be silent about cultural evil. So, Don, can you play? There's a minute and a half clip of a sermon by Matt Truella, David. I want Don to play, and then I want you to comment on it. So go ahead. I'll begin by saying this. Many churchmen across the nation are using Romans 14 to silence the people in their congregations to shame the people in their congregations, not to speak about all the evil being done through the pandemic. They use an experimental shot on people, which has amounted to the most massive VAERS numbers ever seen. And yet the churchmen are going to pretend all we're talking about is two people disagreeing about whether they should wear a mask or get a shot. Like you shouldn't pay any attention to everything that's attached to the mask wearing and the shot getting. You know how evil that is? That's evil in itself. And it should disgust all true churchmen, and it should disgust all true Christians. And they want to cry about the lack of love and the division that's taken place. That's what they focus on. The people have left your churches because they've seen you to be the whores that you are. That's why they've left your churches. You've aided and abetted all this evil and you've gone along with it, churchmen. That's why they've left. And yet you want to browbeat them and shame them for standing against the evil, for bringing discord to your bodies. Why don't you act like true men of God and take leadership, servant leadership, and show men what needs to be done, how to address evil, how to confront tyrants? Praise God. I uh, love Brother Matt. And I've had him on the podcast many times. Um, Doctrine of Lesser Magistrates. Uh, I know you had him on recently, too. Thank you. Yes. That needs to get out there. Um, now, I'm here, obviously, to talk a little bit about Canceling Christianity, my book, and the subtitle, How the Left Silences Churches, Dismantles the Constitution, and Divides Our Culture. They divide on purpose. But what, during that, I knew this was coming, Scott because you gave me a heads up and I pulled another book off my shelf and this is Good. called God versus government. I, you know, here's an author plugging someone else's book. Well, I do this a lot. I do this all week long, 
But Pastor James Coates, he's from Canada. I've had him on my podcast a couple times. He was one of the pastors that was arrested for keeping his church open during the pandemic. Uh, Tim Stevens, same thing up in Canada. There were even a couple pastors in America. Don't say it can't happen here. So they were arrested. They were taken to prison. Uh, Canada was much more strict than we were here. But finally, there were some pastors starting to fight back here in America who actually started speaking out. I interview another one. His name is Steve Smotherman down in New Mexico, Legacy Church. He actually had a, um, a major lawsuit with the New Mexico governor. And, and they, the church won, by the way, because they held a Christmas Eve service. Christmas Eve service. And the church was supposed to say, no, we can only limit to 20% capacity or something like that, some screwy thing. The church said, no, we're not going to close God's doors. We're not going to close the doors of the church. So he was sued by the New Mexico government. They won that suit, but not enough pastors across the country spoke out. Why? Because of this idea, wrongly understood idea of unlimited submission biblically to authorities, secular authorities, unlimited. There is no such biblical mandate to submit to government no matter what the decrees are. That's not in the Bible. So there's a misunderstanding of Romans 13 right there and other places in the Bible. If, if, if uh, uh, the government finally said, no, we, we now need to force everyone to have uh, abortions, would, would you go along with that? I wouldn't think most people would. Well, because that's not biblical. But so it's, we are not to submit. Um, Acts 5.29 is a famous verse. The apostles once said, we must obey God rather than man. And what, what the government, man, what man did in 2020, man, government, deemed the church of Jesus Christ non-essential. When has that ever happened? And what Pastor Matt, I love the passion that he preaches with when he um, really confronts the churchmen, the pastors, the, the godly leaders across the country who are supposed to be examples, setting examples and leading their congregations. Uh, he rightly said, you know, they, uh, they were cowards. I have a chapter in, in, the, in my book, did the church pass the COVID test? Simple answer, no. That's one of the reasons we said, okay, we'll do fear, fear. we got the best of us. When the Bible says, Christian, you have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And yet we said, okay, I don't know about this virus. We're going to shut down. We're going to close everything. We're not going to have church. Right. Oh, we'll go, we'll do videos. We'll put videos out there online. That is not church. Church is the gathering. Church is the assembling of ourselves together. In, in Hebrews, it says that. Well, I mean, you've covered a lot of ground there. So yeah, let's, once let's, I get going, <laughs> well, that's fantastic. Let's just drill down Romans 13 and 14 so people know what's going on. So Romans 13, I'm just going to read it. Romans 13, one through four. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except for which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against authority is rebelling against God for God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and you will be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant 
for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for the rulers do not hear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath, to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Then just to paraphrase Romans 1 through 8, it says to not pass judgment on disputable matters. So mm. these are things that really don't matter. You like pork, I like beef, you know, that doesn't matter. So it says don't don't worry about those things. So I do, you know, can you connect the, the dots so that beyond a shadow of a doubt, people can see our biblical responsibility. Yes. It, you know, so the Bible does not have a chapter on the pandemic, of course, right? No. So connect the dots with the mask wearing, the jab. and Right. Um, oh, my goodness. There's so much. This this is uh, part of it's an issue of conscience, of course. We should be able to have the freedom to choose for our own health, our own bodies. And uh, by the way, this is a good one to use on those who say, my body, my choice. What, really? You're going to force me to wear a mask and get a shot in my arm, right? Uh, right. So they're, they're hypocrites. But anyway, there's double standards. Um, it's an issue of conscience, and that should be our communities, too. Um, I understand there was fear of the unknown. I understand there, this was a new thing. We needed to gather information. And there was a lot of new information coming out about this virus in the first three to six months. The problem is a lot of people made up their minds too early when they didn't have all the information because they just did what the government told them to do. That is not due diligence. That is not uh, praying for wisdom and saying, God, give me wisdom here. Help me to find out what this really is and, and how, how do I approach this with my own family. But going back to the scriptures there, it, it, just a couple points. First of all, Jesus, he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given, given to me, all authority. So Jesus and his word, Jesus is the word. That's our authority, okay? Um, second, it says, um, for rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Um, so if you do good, if you do good according to the word of God, you shouldn't have any fear. But if you do what is evil, it says, be afraid for it. What is it? What is it? Government. Those who are in authority, and that the sword, and one translation say the sword, it does not bear the sword for nothing, for it is a minister of God. So those who are supposed to uphold the law are ministers of God. Um, and who, an avenger who brings wrath on the one who practices evil. So to break this down, um, we've got to discern these are health issues. Is, it, is this a matter of good or evil? No, it's not good or evil. This is a matter of what you do to protect yourself and your family. Do we project that on others? No, it doesn't. There's nothing in the Bible that would back that up. But that was the government was doing guilt, 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 fear, fear, fear. The media played along with this game, right? Fear, be fear. And by the way, they were only uh, when they were reporting the stats on COVID. Remember, they were primarily reporting the number of COVID cases, which if you want to go down another road, were not accurate. But they were prone a number of COVID, COVID cases, COVID cases. They weren't doing this in perspective, obviously, from the deaths, what caused the deaths, because those numbers weren't even accurate, because they were blaming people would go into the hospital with heart issues or with other issues, and they would blame it on COVID. It wasn't always COVID. Otherwise, why did that seem that year it seemed like the flu was cured because there were the flu numbers almost went down to nothing. So they this there was really something disingenuous going on behind the scenes. Um did, I don't think I, I answered specifically what you were what you were asking about Romans thirteen, or did I? 
Well, you did. I, I think we can drill it down because the when I watched the Enemies of the Church documentary, I learned a oh. new word, and that new word was pietism. And I thought, mm. oh, my gosh, that is exactly what's going on. So the yeah. definition they gave in the documentary said, mm -hmm. pietism stresses personal devotion, internal holiness, and inward spiritual experience. That sounds just fine. But then, comma, at the expense of an outward legal expression of Christianity and society. So what I, my personal experience is the preaching of unity. Let's all get along. Hmm. Um, people are dying. Yeah. Why can't, why can't the pastor just tell the truth? I mean, this thing, we're 35 months into COVID. The oh. truth is out. There is not a dispute about the truth for anybody who is a thinking person. There's no the, dispute at all. Yeah. Well, the problem is a lot of people don't have that information. The problem is we've got a one party, big tech media conglomerate that has Romans one talks about suppressing the truth in unrighteousness. They're suppressing the truth and they know most of them know they're doing it. So the average person, especially if they don't know what sources to go to, to get good, accurate, truthful, factual information. And oh my goodness. And then there was this, the, the White House said, no, now we're going to tell you what is information, what is misinformation, right? They started, and then, then Facebook did it and Twitter did it, right. and all these social media outlets. They had the leftist worldview, the progressive government-run globalist worldview, and they were deciding, they were the arbiters of truth suddenly. And you're going, as a Christian, you're going, I've never, and in America, We've never seen anything like this before. So most people, Scott, unfortunately, you say the information's out there. It is. Most people don't want to do the work to get that information. And then the other problem is pride. The, the, a lot of people don't want to admit they were wrong. Uh, the other thing is the guilt part, the, the legalism part, under the guise of compassion, right, as a Christian, I heard, uh, you're not loving your neighbor if you don't get the shot. You're not loving your neighbor if you don't wear a mask. And you're thinking, wow, is this manipulation? But not enough people were thinking this through and actually saying, okay, what does the mask do? Does it help? Look into the science. <laughs> you got to use Great. the word air quotes whenever you, often when you use the word science. What does a mask do? It helps me. It helps other people. What did they promise about the shot? that you would not get COVID. They also promised you would not spread COVID. And then they said, okay, well now if you get the shot, it, you're, if you get it, it won't be as severe. You'll get COVID, but it won't be as severe. Lies, lies, lies. And now, as you know, probably you've covered this in a previous podcast, now there are more people getting or dying from COVID even that had the vaccine than people who are unvaccinated. So now the numbers have flipped. How is that possible? Well, they had a great campaign of lies for the first year of this thing. Well, of course, I mean, that's that's right on. And what I'm specifically talking about here, David, which bothers me, is that I agree, people don't know where to get the information. I mean, yeah. Grace, Grace died so that I would wake up and God gave me a spirit of, of research, being analytical. I'd like to find the truth. I mean, I can't take credit for that. He gave it to me. But what I'm talking about, so I own a company. Part of my leadership responsibility isn't just to make sure the guys return client calls timely. 
know, that's a minor thing. I want my guys to be protected and educated because that's part of my leadership responsibility. So while the congregation may not have access, the pastor's clear responsibility is is your job is to lead your congregation. They're relying on you for leadership. Yeah, I know. That's that's what I see. So I'd like your comment on that, of course. Oh, oh there's so much there, and I agree with you. I think a lot of pastors uh, are they've grown weary because they got they're disillusioned now. It's it's a bigger job. I did it for a little while. It, it, it's very hard, it's difficult, it's time consuming. There's a lot of demands, but that's not that, that is not a, an excuse not to be a leader for your congregation, not to call out evil in culture and to warn. We are supposed to be watchmen on the wall. We are supposed to warn others. Um so a lot of pastors, I think, were not doing that, and they didn't understand that people sitting in their care, they were under their uh, you know, supervision, so to speak. They were shepherds of these people in their congregations. Th- those people, most of them were not getting the right information or accurate information. They were getting the deception. They were hearing the lies, so the pastor was not using his platform or pulpit to say, guys, this is what we need to be aware of. This is what's going on. You can still preach from the Bible. In fact, you always must preach from the scriptures, but you also must apply the word of God and discern. And the Bible warns us to understand the times, understand what's going on around you in your culture and community, and then know what to do about it. These are the dots that pastors were not connecting most of them. So it's one of the reasons we are where we are. And, and there's a lot of reasons for it. So, you know, fear is a big reason. Um, don't not wanting to divide people, but the Bible says you're going to be divided. Truth divides. Doctrine divides. Jesus said, a family will be divided over me. And a pastor and a pastor is worried about dividing people over some opinion on a medical mandate that's supposed to be good for everybody. It's first of all, we're we're all made up differently anyway. It's not it doesn't work that way. One medication is not a cure-all. And that's what they sold this thing as. And pastors that just went along with the government and said, okay, sure, we better do this, take this. I think it's I think it was irresponsible, assuming that they did not have all the information. Yeah. But they do now. And, you know, we're 35 months into this craziness. I want to start. Um, I have one more question for you, and I'm going to give you the last word. But I just want to say this because I, um, several years ago, I listened to a sermon series by A.W. Tozer. Mm. And his conclusion is we don't really need to worry about churches that are spreading direct lies. So if a church is promoting abortion, they're approached. Uh, uh, condoning gay marriage, you know, they've got a, a picture of Satan with a pitchfork out front. You know, those aren't the ones you have to worry about because they're obvious. But the, you know, so those churches that are blessing abominations, that's easy to spot. Hmm. But he said the 95 percenters are the one to watch out for. And, you know, ultimately that's, you know, on a macro view, that's been our focus today. So, what would you tell somebody who's listening to this that if they belong to a church that is not where the pastor is not taking the leadership role in Romans 13, 14, what advice do you have? Pray for him. Um, five years ago, I would have said leave, <laughs> but I'm a little bit more um, 
patient when it comes to this now because I understand they need to be approached. And then you'll know whether it's pride or there are some other issues involved. Approach your pastor, not in a condescending way, not with a critical spirit, but approach him with questions. Pastor, where did you come to this conclusion? What do you mean by that? Would you please lead our congregation and let us know what we can do in this situation when our government is doing this? How should we respond as Christians in this culture? We're supposed to be an influence on culture. So please uh, approach your pastor. Um, but I will say, to, I'll tell a lot of people, look, look for another church. If you're not getting, if you know he's not preaching the true, the full gospel, if you're not, you're not getting someone that's going to stand up and confront evil and warn the congregation about it, warn about where we're at in the timeline of history. These are the last days, and time is getting drawing short. We need to redeem the time. So if you don't have a, a pastor with a sense of urgency who is not preaching the whole counsel of God, who avoids Bible prophecy, these things are, a lot of these things are prophetic. A globalism, one world government and religion, these are things that are are prophetic. If you don't know nothing about that, study the Bible, but you need to find a church, hopefully, that does teach that. And they're not, Scott, unfortunately, there are not many. I get, that's, that was one of the most common emails and calls we got during that, that year, 2020, 2030. My, or, or I mean, 2020 and 2021, my pastor shut the doors. We're not open. Uh, we're doing a video. I have no fellowship. I have no prayer. People are in fear. I'm going, boy, the, so the church is isolating just like the world. <laughs> this is not the response that Christians should have had to really be impactful we should have faith. I'm not saying be irresponsible, but have faith and be able to draw people to you and pray for them because people are fearful and they still are because there's still a lot of unknowns. But that's the, 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 the nutshell is approach your pastor lovingly, respectfully. He's got a hard job, but he's got a responsibility. And if he's not fulfilling that call to equip the body of Christ um, and and discern evil and confront evil in our culture and our government is evil and stand up to these things. Um, sorry, find, find someone, a home church or another church that will do so. You know, I had the, the quote from Diedrich Bonhoeffer that I wanted to close with, <laughs> but you stole my thunder. So, you know, your answer there was spot on. Mm. Thank you so much for that. So uh, we're going to wrap up. I want to give you the final final word and then we'll we'll close. So well, the final word, I, I just pulled up a couple of scriptures because this is Christmas season. And remember, say Merry Christmas, not Happy Holidays. That's my encouragement to you. Um, whether you, um, however you celebrate Christmas, um, Jesus came. There are several reasons. He came to give life, light, and truth. And then again, he is life. He is light. He is truth. The word became flesh. Three of the most amazing words that we hear this season, this time of year, God with us, Emmanuel. That should comfort us greatly no matter what is going on. So Jesus is life. You cannot have life, eternal life, apart from Jesus. We have a choice to make by faith, trust in Christ. The other thing... um, light. He is the light of the world. What did he say to the church in the great sermon on the Mount? He said, you Christians, you followers, disciples, you are the light of the world. This world is dark, friends, but you might be the only light, your neighborhood or your community, at your job. Hello, you might be the only light someone that could lead someone to the biblical world, to the answers, to the truth. So you are the light. 
that people go by sometimes. So make sure you're shining that light, not hiding it under your desk, under a basket, under a bushel. You're the light because Jesus is the light in you. And then finally, the truth. We already mentioned how important truth is. And boy, there's a war on truth. It's been from the beginning of time and it's in the church, sadly. It's in the church today because there are churches, denominations that have gone off the rails. There are splits now because of doctrine. And it all comes back to the inerrancy of scriptures. That is our authority. God's word is perfect. I encourage you to read Psalm 119. 119, the longest one in the Bible, but it's all about the perfection, the majesty, the excellence of God's word, of the truth. So we have the truth. We can read it. We can understand it. Now let's apply it to our lives, our cultures in a loving way. And uh, hey, let's just keep working, fighting the good fight until he returns or until he takes us home. Merry Christmas. Well, same same to you. I I was really looking forward to this more than any other one because you've become my friend and Mm. you're so darn smart. You're so darn (laughs) smart with this stuff. I just just enjoy your, Mm. your, uh, your leadership with what you've helped me do with with what we've been through. So uh, thank you. Have a Merry Christmas. And uh, we will see you in the new year. Thanks, God. Love you, brother. God bless you. Love you too. Thank you. Further details, we return you now to your regularly scheduled program.